Today's scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In 1886, Robert Louis Stevenson published what may have gone down in history as his most famous novel. He was already a well-regarded author just a few years before this He'd published Treasure Island. But on January 5th, 1886, Stevenson publishes a book called The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The plot is a supremely engaging one, and no doubt you're familiar with it. Dr. Jekyll is an upstanding member of English society, and he comes to the point that he grows weary of the trappings that are part of his social location. So he invents a way to become someone else and thereby indulge these fantasies, these these elements of, of himself without fear of detection. Jekyll's transformed body, Hyde, is self-involved and self-indulgent uncaring about anyone other than whatever impulse Hyde wants to achieve. Early on, Dr. Jekyll is able to control these transformations with the help of serum, but in time, Hyde starts to take over, and the novel ends with a letter of confession from Jekyll, in which he says that Hyde is growing more and more powerful in their relationship. And no matter what happens, he knows that Jekyll himself is gone forever. The novel was an immediate success. And one could argue that it really has never slowed down. In the 135 years since the publication of Jekyll and Hyde, this story has been retold on stages and playhouses. And on the silver screen, over 120 different adaptations of Jekyll and Hyde. A hundred years after its initial publication, Nintendo actually made a Jekyll and Hyde video game. Now, it wasn't a very good video game, but they made it, and that's an honor. Manifestations of the Jekyll and Hyde story were modernized. Think about the mild-mannered Dr. Bruce Banner, who becomes the Incredible Hulk. What is it about this story that has captivated society for so long? Over 120 different adaptations. Why? Well, I think the reason for that is because Stevenson hit on a real truth about our human nature. A duality of nature. And that isn't something that Stevenson just invented. No, it goes way back. Further than that, it goes back to, well, Paul. Romans chapter 7. You may remember Paul writes this scathing indictment of himself when he says, the good things that I want to do, I don't do those things. And the evil things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And he ends this section by saying, oh, wretched man, that I am. Paul's articulating the duality that lives inside of us, the Jekyll and the Hyde. 
1,500 years later, the great reformer Martin Luther coined a phrase in Latin, simul justice peccator. It means simultaneously justified and sinful. Luther was articulating the duality of our nature. And I know what you're probably thinking. This is not the start to the Mother's Day sermon that I expected. I, I understand. But just to hold on with me for just one more second and we'll get there. Because <clears throat> Paul was right. We wrestle with evil inside of ourselves. Luther was right. Sima used to say, peccator, we are at once justified and sinful. Stevenson nailed it. That's why our society has been so infatuated with Jekyll and Hyde. Because there's a Jekyll and Hyde that lives inside of us. And there's great news, church. There's great news, great news. But the Holy Spirit is our companion. And as we encounter the Mr. Hyde, the peccator, as we encounter the evil that we don't want to do, the Holy Spirit is our guide, our companion, helps, us, helps to convict us of our sin and heal us, preparing us for new life. The Holy Spirit's our partner in this transformation. It's true. However, however, there is also a phenomenon that occurs inside of human beings that's called false guilt. False guilt. False guilt is often linked to unrealistic expectations. When we have unrealistic expectations and those unrealistic expectations fail to be met, it often results in us feeling guilty. This isn't some kind of a novel conversation from, or some form of cycle babble. This actually comes from Scripture as well. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, when our hearts convict us, we can have faith that God is greater than our hearts. When our hearts convict us, God is greater than our our hearts. We see this in our, our last series, Romans chapter 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we are pursuing God, when we are giving ourselves fully to the task that God has handed to us, and our hearts still condemn us, I want to suggest that that is often a false reading. And all of this leads me to say, while a lot of us can wrestle with false guilt in our lives, I know one subset that throughout my ministry career I've seen wrestle with this more than any other. Folks who are working themselves to the bone, trying to be what God has called them to be, trying to make things work at home and in their careers, and keep up with all of the never-ending details that constitute our lives, who work and work and work, and often do so under a cloud of guilt, <laughs> causing them to feel like they haven't done enough. Of course, 
I'm describing a number of the moms we know. This is how I often hear moms describe themselves. I'm not prescribing this. I'm reflecting it. I've had a ton of moms throughout my ministry career. Tell me about the way they hold themselves to these unreasonably high standards with schedules and commitments. And then when everything doesn't work out perfectly, they beat themselves up. I have been given permission by my wife to use her as a, a brief case study today. My wife's in the medical field. I added up all the years of school that she had to go through to become a board-certified family practice physician. It was 24 years of schooling she had to go through, a third of the average human lifespan. And she's amazing at it. I have a front row seat in watching that amazing woman care for her patients, and she does so. Almost every night after our kids are in bed, my wife's on her chair with that laptop open in front of her finishing notes or sending in prescriptions or working towards consultation with specialists. I've watched her lose sleep because of the things her patients are going through. She's compassionate and she's kind. She's professional. She is fiercely protective of those that have been entrusted to her. And Just that, just that would be enough to fill up a life, but that's that's not all she is. In addition to being a physician, she's also a pastor's wife. (laughs) Oh, throughout my ministry career, she she has, uh, she's cooked meals and stirred apple butter and sung in choirs. She's been a greeter and an usher. She sat on committees. Most importantly, she's been a source of encouragement to her husband when he needed to hear it. But that's not all. She's also a sister and a daughter and a daughter-in-law with all the blessings and some of the challenges that come with those offices. But most importantly, if you were to ask her, most importantly to her, Andy's mom, to our two wonderful children, We try to share a lot of the work at home, but there is a lot. And yet somehow our house always looks lovely and our kids always have clean clothes, relatively clean clothes on and food to eat. And with all of that going on, all of that that she's navigating, you might think that she walks through this world feeling really, really accomplished. I don't know if that's how she generally feels. And as I'm telling the story, if I've done it right, rather than hearing a story about the mom in my life, you've been filling the details about the mom in your life. Maybe instead of being in the medical field, she's in human resources. Maybe instead of a pastor's spouse, she's a military spouse or a single mom. God bless her. Most of the moms that we know are burning the candle at both ends and then at five different places in between. 
And here's the most tragic thing about these amazing women. More than half the time after caring for her patients and her kids and me and on and on and on, after all of that in a day, my amazing wife will still go to bed worried about the things she didn't get done. Worried about getting on one of our kids. There's something inside of her that often says she should be doing it better. She's not doing it well enough. Again, I'm not prescribing this feeling, church. I am reflecting to you as honestly as I can what I've heard mom after mom after mom say to me in their most honest moments. They work so hard trying to meet everyone else's needs and when something doesn't work out as planned, then they feel guilty. can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation. Moms are holding themselves to unreasonable standards. They feel guilty when they haven't reached them. And in the midst of all that guilt, they get further and further down on themselves. Frustrated with others. And it begins to just spiral. No, not all moms feel this way. Again, I'm not prescribing this feeling. I'm not saying this is how moms should feel at all. In fact, I'm articulating this is a challenge that we can help moms overcome. Just I've had enough conversations with moms to know that this is often how they feel. Like they're wrestling with a monster inside. Societally imposed or self-imposed expectation. Moms, you are not Jekyll and Hyde. You might be Jekyll who needs a nap. I just want to remind you, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. And I think that all of us who have had children at home for over a year now, we can all agree that if we hear those five words straight from the depths of Hades one more time, those five words one more time, we're going to lose it. And if if you're not someone who has children at home, those five words are, can I have a snack. I kid you not, while I was writing that little joke into this sermon, one of my two precious treasures walked into the room and said five words. You want to guess what those five words were? These last few months have been especially hard on all of us, but I think moms have so often borne the brunt of it. I hear you. I hear it from you. And that brings me to the one takeaway from today. The most important point. And it comes from a short, simple, obscure passage in Scripture that you've probably never heard a sermon on. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. It would be possible, easy to overlook this passage. Paul uses it frequently in all of his epistles as his salutation. Somewhere early in the book, just as he does here in Romans, Paul will say this. Grace and peace to you. Grace 
and peace to you. I think about all of those amazing, beautiful women out there who are working and working and working. And rather than feeling accomplished, they feel further behind. Hear this grace and peace to you. Are you receiving the grace and peace of Christ, regularly bathing in the grace and peace of Christ? Because God, the living God, creator of the universe, loves you desperately. And is your constant companion on becoming the people and parents that God always dreamed we could be. God has grace for us. would we finally begin to have it for ourselves? Not just so that we can sleep at night, though it will help. But having grace, dwelling in God's peace, helps bring about the life that we want and that God has always wanted for us. Helps us become better parents, better employees, and better friends, better spouses. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you, moms. I pray that not only will you hear those words in this moment, but that as you are drifting off to sleep tonight, those words will echo in you. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. And a few of you who are not moms are saying, well, what about me? Well, Grace and peace to you too. But because this is Mother's Day, perhaps we'd be willing to make the sacrifice and ask ourselves this question. How can we who are not moms support the moms in our lives? Well, one of the things I've really tried to do this year and my wife would bear witness to this if she were up here. I probably, I'm not making this up. This is real. I really have tried to do more of the cooking. My, my wife, I've done most of the cooking in the last several weeks, including going to the grocery store to get the food for the cooking. I've helped with the cleaning. I've helped with the laundry. And I should do those things. We should do those things. So we can look for ways to help one another on the journey. That's important. But... But I want to invite all of us who are not moms to find an opportunity today to do something. If, if you have a chance to talk to a mom in your life today, I want to invite you to take a moment and tell them how proud you are of them. Not, not just thank you, though that's important too. but I'm proud of you. I am proud of the way your love shows forth and all of this that you do, all of your service. I'm proud of you. And I'll model it because I am so proud of my wife for all that she is. A little over a month from now, I'm going to be stepping back 
from my role here at Ebenezer Church. In fact, I'm taking a break from pastoral ministry for a season. The truth is, I think God talks to us. I think God speaks into our lives. One of the things that I heard God saying to me was that God had something new in store for me and for my family. And there were days I was really angry about that. And almost every day I didn't understand it. Until about three weeks after I made the announcement back in February that I'd be stepping down, my wife received a phone call from a hospital. And they said, we want you to come and manage this really unique clinic for us. The highlights are very simply that the clinic's going to be in close proximity to a homeless shelter. A lot of the patients are going to be on the lower end of the economic spectrum, some of them destitute. It's going to be hard work. It's also going to change the world. I'm so proud of her. Proud of what she does professionally. I'm proud of the wife that she is. But of all the things I'm proud of, I'm proud of the desperate way she loves those children. Our treasures. So if you haven't already, tell the mom in your life how proud you are, how grateful you are. And moms, next time you find yourself tossing and turning, possessed by those unreasonable expectations, and the guilt that often follows it. I pray that you will hear the voice of Scripture, the voice of the Holy Spirit whispering into your hearts. Those three transformational words. Grace and peace. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.